This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is Dan Segorka, CEO of Sagent, to talk about how technology is going to shape 2024 and how AI can make the consumer experience radically better if companies are ready to use it. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sarah. Thank you. Great to have you on. Um, you know, you wrote um, a story for us, uh, and it was predicting three of 2024's <clears throat> hottest mortgage topics. So I really wanted to go over those because I thought it was very interesting, very timely. And here we are in 2024. So we can just uh, jump into that. And, you know, the first one you, you talked about was mortgage rates and inflation. Huge for our industry, right? Yeah, I think that. Well, Happy New Year, first off. And uh but welcome to 2024. I think um, after I wrote that article, I did another podcast and um, I think I already got the rate wrong, like where the rate was going to be at the end of the year. I was already wrong because I thought it was not going to be below seven. So it shows you how good you know predictions are. Um, but we can we can talk about it anyway. I think we'll be directionally correct as opposed to exactly on point. You know, I think, you know, um, last year, especially I don't think anyone was right on mortgage rates. Um, you know, maybe we ended up the year where people thought we would be maybe in August and September, but August and September were rough and got, of course, really rough till we got to 8%, I think in October. So it was just, it was a year that defied anybody who was trying to really make sense of it. I hope all, all uh, indications are that 2024 is not going to be so volatile. Is that, is that what you're seeing as well? Yeah, I, th I think so. I mean, um, it, it's interesting too. Like even you look at the stock market and like no one predicted, you know, how that was all going to play out either. And obviously these things are all connected um, in, in different ways, right? We, I think you can see um, the direction that inflation's going and, and how that's going to kind of continue to drive rates. You can, you can kind of um, feel like the Fed's at kind of the end of, of maybe their um, penal cycle, if you will. Um, and we know there's going to be an election in November, right? So, the, like, so, so there's some facts that you can kind of build. I think a more solid thesis on this year probably than last year. I think so too, and I think it's just um, unless you're in housing, I think it would probably be hard to understand how crazy of a year the last two years have been. Um, whether you're in real estate or mortgage, title, appraisal, closing, servicing—I mean, it's just been crazy. And and especially if you haven't. You know, if you haven't been in the in the business for 25 years, right? Like that, you know, if you if you've been in for 25 years, you've kind of seen all these things before. This one was kind of particularly fast, but not all that different than some of the other, you know, really quick turnarounds we've had in the industry um, when when things kind of go bonkers, if you will, for one reason or another, right? And you get that really either fast uptick or or dramatic, you know, downdraft. And, and how that kind of reverberates through all those industries um, that you've said. It, it's been interesting. I've, I've been in almost every one of those over the past 25 years at some point in time. And so th this was kind of the first time for me personally where I didn't have any exposure from a business standpoint 
to the origination cycle, really being in a, in a servicing technology business. And so um, it was nice personally not to have to deal with that, but still traumatic in that, you know, all my you know friends and, and customers and partners really had to go through that on that side of the business. And it's never fun to do. It is never fun. I think one of the things you pointed out in your article was that, you know, lenders have such an important part to play here because people are just scared, especially first time home buyers. I think you see a lot of pessimism, especially among the millennial generation or um, especially younger millennials. Maybe they got shut out of homeownership. And a lot of people feel like, um, you know, the ship sailed without me and I'm never going to be able to afford uh, to buy. It. And I, I don't think that's true. I think, I think, unfortunately, it's, it's more true than I wish it was. But, you know, how do you counter that when you, when you think, no, there's still opportunities out there? Yeah, I, th- I think if you, um, uh, there's been some interesting things on, um, on LinkedIn recently, I, I, I think particular to our industry, where it's kind of like a mindset thing. And, and um, one of the, the ways people talked about it was, um, if you just think about like right now, you know, your, your refi or what your rate is or just buying this house, it's very transactional, right? It's kind of like I'm doing this one thing versus you think of it in kind of a broader term from a relationship and an education standpoint. Um, you, could, you could form a relationship um, as, a, as a lender with that first time buyer. They're going to buy eight, 10 homes from you over the next 20, 25 years, right? Or if you include, you know, refinances and, and things like that. And so that's a very different viewpoint. So I think you're seeing a differentiation in the market versus people that were just, you know, trying to crank out transactions. What's your name? Great. Sign the paper on to the next versus someone who's trying to build a business based on relationships with consumers. And I think that's, you know, we've talked a lot about it in, in over the last couple of years at Sagent from a servicing perspective, where historically um, you didn't have those technology touch points to really have a relationship with your customer who was maybe going to be there with you for 20 years, but all you were doing was sending a paper bill every month. They didn't even know what it was for. They just wrote their check right on autopilot. So now you you have this, this um, uh, ability to leverage technology to really have more of a relationship and do more things. So I think the people that are going to be successful are those um, that take more of that relationship approach, that trusted advisor approach and really walk someone through all their different options. Right. I think in the article, too, we talked about, you know, the, the, the government programs that are available, FHA and VA, really low down payment, um, low rates. I think a lot of uh, lenders are being aggressive in terms of buying down the rate for some period of time as part of a kind of concession to, to do the deal, if you will. So I, I think those things are all smart. And what I've seen among, uh, amongst people in the title business, in the, um, uh, in the, in the real estate um, industry is... You know, the ones that want to be in it for the long term are really doubling down and being creative and, and again, focusing on that long term relationship rather than, you know, kind of woe is me. My bonus is less than it was last year. You know, there's not as much transactions. Right. There's real differentiation. And it's, these things, when they happen in our industry, it just shakes out a lot of people. Um, you know, and again, so if, if unemployment stays low and inflation continues to come down and rates inch down and housing stays high, you know, those things are all really good for people who own homes, right? And they're, and they're really good for servicers, right? And, and they're really good for the people who um, can stay in origination at, at the right level in terms of, you know, they, they've got their, um, 
their P&L in shape and they were able to, to bring their, their cost structure down where, you know, kind of not everybody has, but those who have, I think will be okay. And then, you know, it's always interesting to see how the banks treat these cycles, right? And, and, and what they do. I mean, they've, they've continued to stay, I think, relatively bullish on servicing and, and they've really backed off the origination to the extent that they're able to and really just focusing on their own portfolios. And so I think that, you know, continues to open up an opportunity for really kind of non-bank servicers who want to continue to, to, to have that relationship with those customers throughout these, this, this next year or two. So it's, it's going to be interesting. It is, you know, that rhythm of um, which lenders are involved at which stage of the cycle is really interesting to me because I, I joined HousingWire about 10 years ago. So it was really at, you know, at the, at the height of when the, the banks were like, yeah, no, thanks. We don't need that mortgage beyond what we have to do. And just the rise of the independent mortgage banks really in that time. Um, and you just see that. The other thing that you see that gets jump started in times like after, you know, obviously by the regulation after the great financial crisis, but then again, we saw it um, in the pandemic time period was the technology and the leap forward that was made uh, during that time. And I think especially for servicers and for servicing, right, what had to be done during the pandemic and, and talking to all those borrowers and, and making sure we were all on the same page with what they needed. What do you see as like the, the great benefit of that now that we're not in that period? Yeah, that was, that was amazing. Um, and, and I do think you, you hit the nail on the head in that the industry was able to leverage a lot of the investment done on the origination side of the house over to the servicing side very quickly in terms of borrower self-service. And, um, and really drove that paradigm forward, I think, um, in a way that wouldn't have kind of happened naturally, right? But I do think uh, for specifically for servicing, you know, the, the, the paradigm has shifted. And um, when you look at servicers costs, so much of it is call center talking to consumers around things they kind of don't understand around their mortgage or, or the escrow or the, the payment, right? Things like that. Um, and certainly that's a, that's a large cost um, in normal times. It goes up dramatically um, when, when times aren't good for the consumer because there's so many more regulations that kick in that you kind of have to do and tick and tie and the consumer's under more stress. And, you know, so th- those, th- you know, that's why the cost of dealing with a loan um, that's not uh, current goes up, you know, 10x of, of, of a loan that's current. So the, the tools that you use to interact with the consumer can save you so much of your money and actually give the consumer a better experience, right? So you get the double whammy of that. If the consumer gets what they want and it, you can do it more efficiently and, and you get kind of the right answer in, in most circumstances when you can use technology, right? Versus if you're relying on a ton of humans, in a call center, maybe it's somebody's first week on the job and they forget to ask somebody if they're a service woman or something, you know, like those footfalls can be really painful um, from a human error standpoint on the servicing side. So I think technology is going to be tremendously helpful over the next couple of years. And I think when you couple that with um, the self-service things you can do on the origination side, that's where I, you know, where I alluded to earlier of the people that win this next cycle are going to win it by a huge margin like we haven't seen before. 
Like it's really going to be the haves and the have nots in terms of have you assembled a large servicing book and coupled it with technology that can do kind of self-service refinance and, and, and things like that very quickly. Um, your cost of, uh, on both the servicing and the origination side is going to be so much lower than people that are stuck in kind of the old paradigm of trying to just hire as many people as they can to do these things that I, I think it's kind of, I, I would look at it as like, we've been in these skirmishes and, and the last couple of years prior to last year, certainly uh, the, the, the getting was so good for everybody. <clears throat> you didn't have to be that great to, you know, make a whole bunch of money in origination. Like, congratulations, you were a mortgage lender. Here's, here's a pile of money, right? Um, but in this next cycle, right, and certainly what's happening now, as you see a lot of people going out of business or folding, the next cycle is going to be dramatic where even if times are really good, I think the people who are really good at it and leveraging technology are going to take so much market share, it's going to be different than it's been in the past. Because this will be this will be really the first time I think across the full stack. If you just think about origination, core servicing, and maybe default servicing, it's the first time that lenders will be equipped with kind of fully modern tools across that whole spectrum, and so they'll be able to kind of be firing on all cylinders. And so anybody who kind of hasn't gotten their stuff in gear over, you know, this, this kind of low period, I think will be, um, won't be competitive, frankly. And you're, and you're seeing that already play out, you know, on people in, in the, in the MSR space, right. And again, bidding for, for MSRs and, and winning servicing, it's going to the same couple of people, right. If you, and, you know, half, not even half, 80% of the industry, if you go and talk to them are frustrated and they're saying, why is Mr. Cooper winning every deal? Why is Freedom winning every deal? Well, they can compete because they have better technology and a lower cost of ownership. So it's just math, right? There's nothing, there's nothing magical about it. Like, so um, I think that's just going to play out even more dramatically in this next cycle. That I think what you just outlined there is really a difference in this cycle. Like you said, if you've been around 25 years, you've seen some of this before, but this particular way that it's playing out because of technology and because we've never had this kind of technology before, um, or at least that's the way it seems to me, it feels like this is unique. Yeah, I think it, and it's a combination of not only the technology we have, you know, it's like, it's, it's multifaceted, right? So the, the technology, if you think about it, is one what are you doing internally to be more efficient, to be more compliant, and to provide a better consumer experience, right? And then what are you doing outwardly facing for your consumer to interact with you? And also, where is that consumer, right? So today, everybody's on the phone, right? 10 years ago, they weren't, shockingly. But that world used to exist. But here we are now, right? So with the notification you can immediately in real time get to the person that is your customer and talk to them about something that can be a benefit to them, right? Um, and uh, we've never had that kind of paradigm before. And so I, I think when you also couple that um, with what I believe the strides are going to be around um, large language models and, and the use of AI to really allow your your software and your data to understand your customer and interact with them in a way that can move a transaction forward, even if it's 80% of the way there, 
like you've taken out so much of your cost of acquisition of whatever that product is, and you're giving the consumer a better experience. Like, face it, no one wants to talk to people on the phone in customer service. It's not fun. You know, I mean, I have probably, I'm running at probably like a 10% hit rate of like one out of 10 times. It was like, wow, that person was great. They were really good. I think I'm going to do the follow-up one and tell their boss they get 10 out of 10 stars and nine out of 10 times. It's a complete disaster. So, you know, it's just, it's the nature of that, the way that you're interacting with someone, they're not bad people. It's just a bad paradigm. And so I think that the technology can, can smooth that out. I'm here with Jason Bressler, CTO at United Wholesale Mortgage. UWM recently rolled out Chat UWM. Jason, can you give me a brief overview of what that is? Sure. Chat UWM is an AI-driven search engine that works in conjunction with our current application, The Source, to provide instantaneous answers to anything a mortgage broker could want or need with UWM or the entirety of the mortgage industry. Sounds amazing. And listeners, you can find out more at uwm.com. That's really great. That was my next, going to be my next question is, you know, what do you see even over the last year? It feels like we've accelerated when it comes to, to AI. Maybe it's just we've accelerated in the public facing AI that people like me can access. I know that different platforms have been using AI all along um, or, you know, say the last five years, whatever, like what AI means is different to everyone, but I, but I would love to know what you think about, like, here's where the future is going, the near future. Yeah. Um, we're, we're spending a lot of time with, um, uh, I would say deep experts in this space. And I think it's going to be really interesting, right? So right now I would say AI is helping us to be better developers, which, which helps us, you know, produce better software, um, more, more efficiently, right. Which helps our cost that we can, translate to our customers, which can go to consumers, right? So just efficiency in kind of what you're doing from a software perspective. Um, I think the, the, the big bang is going to be once you've kind of entered in all of the data that um, uh, kind of drives our, our mortgage world, if you will, into a, a large language model that's curated effectively um, and that's compliant and trustworthy enough to face off with with both the consumer and even maybe before that your your internal folks, right? So, like again, if you think about um, there's an interesting stat in in mortgage servicing, you know, operational lore. That's like you know, 65 plus percent of calls are about escrow, and it's just difficult for people to understand escrow and why it changes and all of that, right? So. If you could have an easy way that your AI engine answered that for your consumers, 67% of your calls go away, you know, like, and, and that's that, you know, maybe a couple people need to talk to someone and they can talk to your escrow expert, right? But you don't have half your people who probably also maybe don't understand it that great, fumbling around trying to explain it to them as well. Right. So there, there's just certain things that are very well suited to um, an engine that has a lot of data that can understand a, a, a relatively complex thing and then explain it in, in an easy way. Right. And if you think about that, you know, again, how, when you train these machines, um, you know, the machine gets to ha- gets to get. 10,000 calls 
of a consumer talking to a customer service agent about escrow? Was that a good call or a bad call? And why? And learn from all that, right? And, and you know, so now I would say we're in this trial and error um, space. Like there's a great anecdote of like um, a friend of mine who works for another company was, was training his his AI tool, right? And, and it was like, okay, speed, right? We Our cost is on calls and we want the calls to be shorter, right? So speed is of the essence. So listen to all these calls and figure out how to go faster. And it turned out the shortest calls were ones that like ended really badly because the customer was really mad and hung up, right? So the, so the first iteration was like, well, just be rude. The call's over in five seconds, you know? And it's like, okay, lesson learned, right? It's like, that's speed is not the most critical, right? We want the happiest customer. So that's just like a little funny story of the things you go through um, as you do this. But, you know, again, we're, we're going to be in the same spot that we've been in in this industry for years where we have a lot of cool stuff, right? There's going to be some cool AI stuff, just like there's there's been cool rules engine stuff and, and all this cool stuff. But it doesn't work if your whole foundation is 50-year-old technology that's in mainframes and you can't get at the data, right? So that so part of this is is this still ongoing, like we're raising the bar from a technology perspective, but you really have to fix the underpinnings of this industry, which still is, you know, working in a lot of ways on spreadsheets and really old code and things that aren't exposed and data that's not the same in multiple places. Like all of that needs to be fixed, right? So, so the way we look at it at Sagent is, we have to do both. We have to fix the bottom and fix the, you know, think about the bottom as like, what does all this run on? Where's the data? You know, how, what does all this run on? And then the middle is like, okay, what's the software that kind of both sides are interacting with? And then the top is the consumer and that consumer interface, right? So once, once that bottom layer is fixed and you can really put some of the cool AI stuff in the middle and the top, That'll that'll be kind of the new look of of what what the industry looks like, I think, to me. So, and that's not we're not talking five years, right? We're we're talking twenty four months, you know. So it's 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 exciting. Um, it's a it's a it's a really interesting time to be in mortgage technology. It is a very interesting time, you know. It it's one thing I thought when you were talking about you know how you're you build from the foundation and go up to the consumer. I feel like. Um, a lot of solutions were were consumer facing first, right? Like um, it's that it's that point of sale, it's the application for the for the mortgage or whatever. And then when you when you scratch the surface a little bit, you're like, this isn't actually a, a an automated process at all. It goes back to you know the back office doesn't run very very smoothly, and it just it was sort of shiny and and seemed really great, but the foundation was not there. Do you, what do you see? Has that changed a lot? You know. In a lot of ways, it hasn't. You know, I mean, if, if you look at, um, oh, I mean, I'd, I'd love to say it has, right? But I, I just really, I don't think I can I can be intellectually honest and actually say it's there yet, right? I mean, um, if you look at, the, to your point, the point of sale systems are, are still pretty separate from the LOS systems, which are separate from the servicing systems, and it's very clunky, right? It still takes the same amount of time to originate a loan you know, still 45, 60 days, right? Um, you still, uh, the servicing transfers don't work very well, right? You still, you know, to your point, you, you do all the stuff in the POS and then it's like, oh, an LO is going to call you, right? And your credit got sold to 50 people that now are pinging you to see if you want a loan. Like it's not great, you know, in a, in a way that it really 
um, I think can and should be. And, and that goes back to my point I was making that until you fix the core underlying systems of record, the little shiny things on top will only do so good. And, and I think, you know, use the example of the point of the, the point of sale space, right? That, I mean, I think it was great. Um, it, it really created a new category that helped the industry understand, hey, we need to interact with consumers in a different way. But it, it essentially ran up into the same problem, which was, well, if the core LOS is still ancient and can't interact in a modern way, you're not really helping yourself all that much, right? And so think about how many millions of dollars of venture capital went into all the POSs versus what the enterprise value of those companies are right now. It's way, way, way upside down, right? So, um, you know, I, I, I still really respect that vision because I think it was the right vision. But I, I think it also, you know, it informed the way I think certainly about servicing technology, which was it, you can't bandaid it. Otherwise, you're just your 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 uh, ability to improve is so limited. Right. So it, it, you really have to make these core investments that will unleash massive efficiency gains and really change the way things are. But if you don't, you know, what's the point? Right. You, everybody's doing the same thing. Right. It's a challenging time. So it'll be interesting to, to me to see if, you know, some of the upstart LOS companies um, have enough cash to get through this down period and, the, and what they need to kind of build out their engines. And if what they're saying is true, API-based modern data can plug, it'll be an open network, right? That, that's what we need kind of on that side, which will help all of that, right? And then, you know, we're kind of carrying the flag on the servicing side to do the same thing and just saying, it's time to bite the bullet and invest and go all cloud-based, get away from the mainframe, open APIs, put the data, you know, everywhere it needs to be with one kind of common data layer. When you do that, all these other things become possible. It's just expensive and it's difficult, right? And, and you know, um, for, for a number of reasons, uh, people choose which which markets to invest in at different points of the cycle, and um, we happen to be in, in a good spot right now. But but a lot of other companies are not. So it's just it's the boom and bust nature, right? Of of capital going into the industry when volumes are really good, and then everybody says, well, there's no more checks, and so then technology can only advance so far. So that's why I say I, I do think the people that have the right partners. And the right investment strategy are, are going to be so well positioned two years from now because all these things are going to fire off at once, right? A better market, better technology in the right hands. And um, that I'm really excited to see that because I, I think then um, I think ultimately the consumer is going to get a better experience and investors are going to get a better experience. And if investors get a better experience, consumers get lower prices, right? And, and we all know home ownership is the greatest driver of wealth in the country. You know, if, if you think about an industry where, where capital markets investors have total transparency to everything going on, zero friction, you've taken a bunch of cost out, you just get a better coupon, you know, at a, at a, you know, at, at a, um, at a better rate and a, and a more attractive security, which is better for the U S you know, home buyer. So 
Well, my last question for you is, you know, we've talked a lot about technology and one of the things that seems to me a a huge challenge for someone who is a technology executive like yourself is how do you, a, a lot of technology, even for your clients, for instance, how do they think about like, what should I be investing in now for the next five years? How? It's hard to know where technology is going to go. You, as you know, as the head of a tech company, how do you think about that? Like, how do you make like? Here's what it looks like in five years. Here's what it looks like in ten years. Can you even do the ten years at this point? Yeah, it's an interesting. That's a really interesting question, especially in the context of AI, like we talked about, which really kind of snuck up on everybody. You know, about a year and a half ago, it was like, oh, here's this Chat GPT, and everybody was like, what? Is the whole world going to end? You know, um, we're taken over by robots, and you know. It, it usually never happens quite as fast as everybody thinks, but it, for us, it was easy. And for me, because we knew that we had to change the paradigm and get off of a siloed mainframe platform, right? And we had the right kind of investors and the team to do that. So that just made, that's a big decision. And that's a lot of work to do. And it takes a lot of time and a lot of money, but we made that decision. So we knew that was kind of core. And then once you have this kind of open framework of, of leveraging APIs and um, kind of leaving yourself open for the rest of the ecosystem to evolve around you, right? You don't have to worry about all of that quite as much, right? It's kind of, so we think about it as like, if we do our part and then we can take advantage of partners or other people that are going to be best in class at those other things, we'll be golden, right? Because for better or for worse, core mortgage servicing platforms are really hard to do, right? So there's not 20 other people doing it. You know, there, there's like three of us, right? So, you know, as long as we do that really well, I think, you know, that, that takes us through the next, you know, two to three years in terms of what a next generation platform looks like. And then I think from there, you know, it's, it's really about connecting these disparate systems in real time with data such that you're kind of looking at originating, onboarding, um, understanding the capital market situation kind of all at, the, at one time. And um, as you're kind of originating loans and interacting with consumers, instead of like silo one is doing this, now let's throw her over the fence, silo two is doing this, right? So there's a long way to go in our industry, as you know, to, to get there, right? So like, even if you, let's just throw out a couple other things, you know, title insurance and, and uh, um, uh, you know, again, capital markets, buying and selling a lot of times is on Excel spreadsheets still. Like we're, we're not at a point where we're leveraging the technology that exists. So when you start going five to 10 years out, I think if the people who are kind of best in class at what they do focus their time and attention on upgrading their piece of the puzzle, with this concept of, and I'm going to allow for other people to do what they need to do and interact, will be where we need to be. The, the fear is that, you, you know, you always have people, um, and in our industry, they, they tend to be big players who don't want the future. They want the past and the present because they own it, right? So they're like, you know, I don't, I don't you know, I don't want to upgrade my system. I get paid... every time somebody has to go ask a clerk what's happening at this property. And I make a huge profit margin on that. So why do I want that digitized so other people can do that? Right. Um, You know, so, so that's, there's a lot of that that goes on in this industry that has to touch so many people along the way. So, 
um, you know, it's hard to, I guess, to, to answer uh, your short question very longly. Um, it's hard to predict where the whole ecosystem is going to be because you need so many people to kind of want to push it forward, right? So we can only, we can just do our part, which we think will be hugely consequential to our customers. But at the end of the day, if everybody's still originating loans on the old Encompass platform eight years from now, there's not much I can do about that, you know? Well, Dan, thank you so much for for talking about this very interesting conversation. Uh, love to hear your take on technology and because you have been around, but also because you're coming from the servicing side, um, you have a whole different perspective. So thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, Sarah, thank you for having me. That was, that was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.